podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, it's another Anfield Rap special. Uh, me, Gareth Roberts, I'm at Tranmere Rovers again and delighted again to be joined by Mark Palios. Um, we spoke last time, uh, we talked about you know Tranmere needing to get back into the league, Tranmere being pretty much a league t- team anyway in terms of set-up size and everything else, history. Uh, and now you're there, you've done it, um, you got through it at Wembley, despite a player being sent off after 30, no, 45 seconds, you just told me off there. I mean, how did you feel, first of all, at Wembley when you have that nightmare start? That must have been, your heart must have sunk, you must have thought, oh, no, not again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I, I think I may have said last time I told Nikki that at one stage, and I've never been lucky in football, uh, and she said, you should have told me that before you bought the club. <laughs> um, and I sat there, and it happened, and I and I thought, you can't write this. And I was annoyed because if, I think the referee should manage the game, not influence the game. And I think that's what you saw there. And I think it was all about making a big decision. That's my view. He, he may have a different view, um, but I think he was he was hasty in doing that. The lad was straight out of the dressing room, miscontrolled the ball slightly, flew into a challenge, actually didn't make any real contact with the guy. But yes, technically he could have had a red, but I think it should have been managed differently. And then the rest of the, the, the half unfolded in a way that you, know, you, you couldn't write it, you couldn't script it. Mm. Um, but yeah, half time it wasn't the best because to concede just before half time with ten men, all our subs used, uh, and knowing that you've got to go away and score uh, at Wembley to get out of that league was was a pretty dismal point. Yeah, uh, I mean to go over some of the things that we mentioned last time for those that didn't listen in last time, uh, Tommy relegated in 2015 out of the league after 94 years in it. Uh, missed the playoff spots by one place in 2015-16 finished second the following season second again this season and now, and now up into the league um, I mean another thing Mark is that there's been great support for Tranmere right through this phase I mean you know sort of looking in from the outside I think it, it may be easy for fans to get a little bit disillusioned with you know when, especially when you know, the level they've been used to in a fairly recent history and yet it hasn't been it hasn't been like that has it there's been brilliant support there was nine thousand here for the semi-final against Ebbsfleet and right through the season it's been five six and seven thousand fans in here at times which you know considering it was non-league then and, and now league brilliant support from the fans yeah, it's it's one of the things that you know. I guess Nick and I are most proud about that, um, having gone down and out of the league, uh, and even when we first went out of the league, the fans were optimistic and, and, and stood by us, and have supported us right the way through. And somebody reminded me the other day, we had an open day here after we'd just gone down. Uh, I'd put the season ticket prices up. We sold more season tickets. I went into the car park just to check one of the, the stands was okay and ended up getting collared by a supporter. Uh, it was a blazing hot day. I was in a suit, shirt and tie. And I started chatting to him. Then I signed an autograph. And then an orderly queue formed behind him of 30 people or so. And, and that queue was added to throughout the whole... And I stood there from quarter to 12 to quarter past four in the afternoon. Couldn't eat my burger. My wife had that. <laughs> uh, and, and literally just chatted to the... And the, the enthusiasm was fantastic. The optimism was was fantastic. And I think that's one of the things we were most proud of. We managed to create that and then build on it. And one of the ways of building on it was to get the fans to look after themselves. So we started with the Supporters Trust, got a great relationship with them. We've got a fan zone here instead of a director's car park, which I think is a great idea. Uh, and we got... Uh, we then got our official supporters club, but we tried not to make it a creature of the club, so it was independent. 
uh, we already had uh, at the Lee Knight Foundation who were looking after the disabled supporters before we came and, and we helped them and, and that, that took off. So using those organs, if I like, if I call it, that, that we then sort of helped to build everything around the fan base because they, they would give us, we, we, there's no point in us second guessing it. They would come back, we'd consult on season tickets, we'd consult on improvements to the ground. And what I was about was trying to get uh, an increased and improved fan experience that everybody talks. I know there's a destination Anfield um, project on, on the go and, uh, and, and it wasn't quite as grandiose as that here, but what we actually did was try and create an atmosphere at the ground, also get the fans to understand that they can influence things rather than you know moan about the players, etc. And I would say about 18 months ago, that really all came to fruition. The supporters group... Um, we're tasked with making the atmosphere in the cop better. I brought in the drum the first time. It didn't quite work. So I gave it to them again and said, there's your job. Increase the atmosphere. And they've done a fantastic job. And we'll step on from that. You see that come into effect at Wembley uh, in the 60th minute or so when, when we were down. The fans made a tremendous noise, got behind them, a bit like your Anfield nights, and uh, dragged them through. And so many of the players, I mean, as an ex-player, so I know what it's like. You dragged them through, made them make the runs that they couldn't do. And, and so talk a little bit for us, Mark, about, about how different this is going to be now for Tranmere. I mean, being in the league that you've just been in and now out of, you were the biggest team, by the biggest club by far. And I've seen John Aldridge talk about this in the Echo in the weekend that he was saying, you know, almost for everyone that was coming to Prenton Park, it was a bit of a cup final. It was, you know, spared on by the surroundings, spared on by the size of the club. There'll be a little bit less of that once you're back in the league, won't there? And in a way, will that make things easier or what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think it does make things easier. We've got some bigger clubs. You've got Swindon Town in, in the league, etc. Cambridge has been actually in, in the, uh, went out the league, but, you know, they're, they're big payers, but, the you know, well-known league club. You've got um, Oldham again, Berry, etc. So you've got some old established clubs. Uh, and, and it brings a little bit more atmosphere to our home games. They'll bring some fans. There were very few fans that came elsewhere. Uh, but equally, I think, you know, our, our, our players won't suffer from that fact that everybody's out. It's their big day yeah. out, etc. And I, I'm certain that'll happen. Having said that, um, I say that's why it was all the more important to get the fans here to understand that they can make it um, make it a, a fortress, basically. And that's what he did. Our home form in the last year and the second half of last season has massively improved. Uh, and that's because the fans get behind us. And recently, it's quite funny because the, the older shot captain, after the game, said, you know, we came here, the game plan was to turn the fans against them, but they didn't turn. <laughs> you know, we've used that yeah. to just reinforce that. So I, I think, yeah, you're right. It, it will make a tremendous difference that we're not, we're not everybody's Man United or Liverpool. You know, we are just a, a league club like them. I mean, you know, I'm presuming being down, though, in the conference for those three seasons, you're going to have to have cut your cloth accordingly to an extent. We've seen some players get released already. That's been out in the press. Um, you know, what's the difference? What's the difference between non-league and league in terms of how you're going to be running the club from now on? Where do you think you're going to pitch yourself as a club? I mean, I presume maybe you don't want to talk about it and that's fair enough, but you know, what, what are you aiming for top half finish? Are you aiming for promotion? What, what do you think is, is a realistic aim for next season? Well, we're aiming for promotion yeah. and, uh, you know, part of that is the fact that four go up. You know, so you, you should be aiming for that if you tell me, Rovers, you know, we're not a League Two club. The business plan's exactly the same in this league as it was in, in, in the conference or the, the, the National League. 
Uh, and as broadly as it will be in League, in League One, it's actually the same business plan, which is about building businesses within the club, agnostic to football and so forth and so on. Everybody's heard me bang on about that for a long time. But, you know, the, 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 the playing budget, um, if we'd stayed down, uh, the playing budget going up would be 50% more than, than uh, if we'd stayed down this year coming yeah. So um, it will make a difference to us, but these aren't massive figures, you know, that, uh, compared to your you Liverpools and your Man Uniteds. So you just got to take those percentages. We, we basically, um, those players that were released were not released because uh, of a financial pressure. They were released because we, you know, we've assessed what we need for our squad yeah. to actually compete at the top end of, of League Two. And, and I've said we, our, our intention is not to survive in League Two. It's about we'd rather thrive than survive uh, and that's what the intention is I mean we, we, we've heard that as well from the manager from Mickey Mel and he, I noticed in a lot of his interviews that he's been doing he, he, the word he keeps using is potential the potential of Sam Mirovers and you know there is a real I mean we, we said last time you know that obviously it doesn't really work on a podcast but you know the surroundings are, are, are great this lounge we're sat in now is a great looking lounge and it, it, it's certainly not something you would expect to see at a club that was non-league so you know it does see, it does feel like you've got a set up here that can get you up right through the leagues again I mean you know it's not that long ago in relative terms that Tranmere top half in what is now the championship so is that is that the long term aim still to get all the way back up and you know do you think the Wirral as a place can sustain sort of championship level football yeah the, the Wirral can sustain a championship level club without a doubt um, the, the business plan to get into the championship has to be a different one and, and we'll address that when we get there that's yeah. a first world problem it's quite interesting <laughs> you say that this lounge is a great lounge because I mean this that's an example of where we are we're actually going to revamp this lounge uh, for next season because we can make we can make improvements to it uh, and that symbolises what we're trying to do with the club yeah we, we'll have we'll have a off the field we'll have a bit of consolidation financially to do but on the field the intention is to keep the progress and lots of the players that we had certainly the lads who were out there playing at at Wembley last week, uh, they can hold their own in the in in the in, in League Two. And where does Tranmere sit in, in in terms of sort of relationships with the other Merseyside clubs? Wanted to get you on that. I mean, we we are first and foremost obviously a Liverpool podcast. Um, I know traditionally there's been friendlies between the sides quite regularly. Um, and sort of going back a little bit further, it always seemed to be a bit of a thing that Liverpool players, ex-Liverpool players, would end up o- over this side of the water and, and play it. And there was a lot, lot of seems to be loans between the clubs at one time as well. So I mean, what, what, what's the relationship these days between Liverpool and Tranmere? Uh, the, the relationship between Liverpool and Tranmere uh, is 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 great. It's fantastic. And. Um, the, the, the question of players coming here and, and, and uh, from Liverpool, etc., from the academy, uh, you know, we were in the non-league and it takes three to tango. It takes the player, the club and the agent to actually um, affect that transfer. And it's, it's personally quite difficult for players to accept that they're going to come down and play in the non-league because mm-hmm. of the stigma. So going back into the league makes a massive difference in that regard. Obviously, getting into League One makes an even bigger difference, getting into the Championship and so forth. So, I mean, you have to be realistic as to what you're going to do. And so we, we didn't really look at uh, Liverpool or even, even Everton as regards um, loan players particularly. We, we knew where we, where we stood with all of that. Um, with regard to other aspects of the pitch, the cooperation, etc., that we've had, Liverpool have brought strong teams for our pre-season friendlies here, which is fantastic for us, makes a massive difference to us financially. Uh, and they've helped us with that. You know, we're talking to them on a 
on a variety of levels at this point in time. You know, stuff came across from the academy that we didn't ask for. They just sort of sent stuff across because it was surplus to their requirements, which is helpful to a club like us. Uh, and so, you know, we really, really uh, appreciate the relationship in the way that it is. And uh, that isn't the only reason why we, you know, I certainly will be uh, supporting Liverpool when they play in Kiev. <laughs> Good swear, so will we. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got I hope, I, I hope I haven't, you know, used up my full quota of luck. Of luck, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it works the other way around that as well, doesn't it? In that, you know, I mean, I mentioned on the first one of these that we did that I used to come over here quite regularly. I know I wasn't alone in that. And I know quite a few lads, actually, some who even went to Wembley yeah, uh, yeah. to watch Sammy. So, you know, the, the, there's a lot of people that will do both, isn't there? You yeah. know, they'll, they'll support Liverpool or Everton yeah. and Sammy too. And that's another another good thing. Yeah, no, it is. And if you just take it to, I was asked about the England and, and the apathy towards England. But if you actually go round and look at a lot of the flags of St. George at an England game, it's, you know, it has the Stockport Counties, the Tramia Rovers, the Berries. It doesn't have many of the Premier League clubs. And, and that's partly because of the fact that you know we are England is everybody's second club because they can actually touch you know the, the top end of the game whilst they still support the local club yeah. and on Merseyside as you say it's always worked in reverse to some extent on that that you know there's a, there's always been a great affection and, and the numbers of um, well done's and congratulations that came from blues and reds uh, especially the reds um, were was tremendous and, and it's great for us because you know I, I went down there I was born in, in Wavertree, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a scouser. Um, and for me, the barrier of the tunnel and the Mersey doesn't really exist. I and mean, I can't say too much, but, you know, we're working with Liverpool in, in partnership with Liverpool on, on a couple of issues that, you know, it's great to be partnered with Liverpool Football Club and Liverpool City. Uh, so whilst the Wirral is there, Wirral, Wirral's part of Merseyside. I mean, the, the Mersey washes and I don't I've I've worked away from Merseyside and uh, you know I know that everybody views it as one and, and I certainly view it as one the more Merseyside is, and there's, there's a particular there's a particular grit and I think you saw that on Saturday actually adversity through adversity you know we came through so away from Merseyside very far away from Merseyside another thing we wanted to talk to you about here and perhaps something perhaps people wouldn't expect this one um, you've been doing a lot of work with with China, links up link link ups with China, which people maybe wouldn't expect for Tranmere over. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's um, we, you couldn't get much further away. We're actually <laughs> in Inner Mongolia, uh, which is the pilot province for the development of football in China, and uh, we've been there for eighteen months now. In fact, on we we. We've been training Chinese coaches over here at our new training facility at the campus in, in Liso. And um, it, it came off the back of me being at the FA, but I, I've combined it with a professional football club. So we deliver the FA courses, but we also give them an insight as to how you use sports science, because Liverpool John Moores University help us a lot on that. And they're one of the best uh, sports science universities right, in yeah. the world. And they're only 10 minutes away from the ground and 10 minutes away from the campus. So... We pull all that together, we train their coaches and we send them back. But equally, we've also got interest in a, in a football school out there and we send coaches out to uh, out to China and Hohot, etc. And we've actually also written a book I've written a book for Chinese schools out there. So there's, there's, there's been a big program ongoing. And in fact, the, the coaches that came over on the, um, on the day of the... They, came, they arrived at about 7 o'clock at Manchester Airport on Saturday morning. 
on the day of the semi-final. By 11 o'clock, they were here, and then into the semi-final that we had with 9,000 people here, and, and an absolutely dramatic game again. Tremendous celebration, four fantastic goals, twice behind in, in an important semi-final. And then the fan zone was rocking afterwards. Uh, they, they spent a week with us sort of in the build-up to, to, to Wembley, uh, they weren't allowed to go down to Wembley, unfortunately. So they watched it in in from here, uh, and they saw all the celebrations. Then they saw the 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 celebrations when we came back. Then they saw the civic reception for us. So they got a completely jaundiced view, or t- a completely uh, wrong view of what life is like at <laughs> Tommy Rovers. But we were happy for that because they were reporting back as yeah. to, as to the quality of, of what was going on. So the the the, the China thing's uh, massively important to us. Um, I think it's great that we you know we're able. We're, the FA can't really get into China, but we're already in there. As I say, it's the pilot province, so we're looking to expand it out within China. Equally, we're looking to um, put in place an international football academy. So we've literally just finished a meeting now, how we leverage off what we're doing in China, and we're about to market that out to uh, the US to get students to come over here on residential courses to stay for a long time. That's the type of business that we're trying to build. Um, we don't really see it... Uh, we don't really see competition from the likes of Liverpool or Everton or Barcelona or Real Madrid because to be quite frankly that they don't really I don't think they understand grassroots football it's not their bag they're not interested in it particularly why would you be bothered uh, you know trying to earn a million quid or two million quid with the effort that needs to go in to do that if you get 175 million quid in the unlikely event you get relegated and you come bottom in in, in a season in the Premier League so you know it's not really on their radar screens uh, uh, the only competitors, but even individuals that go in aren't really competitors. Luis Figo, Maradona, we've seen them off. Uh, the real competitors, are the FAs. Uh, but again, as I say, we, we've we've sneaked in under the under the radar, and we, we've stolen the march on the German FA, who signed a, 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 a contract with the Chinese government. Um, so it's it, it's and they're world champions, of course. But we're Tommy Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> but there must be some hopefully brilliant knock-on effects from that. In that you're also getting the name out there, but also maybe possible playing resource. Maybe yeah, at one point. yeah. I'm not I'm not looking for players at this point in time out there. Um, you know that that will come eventually if we stay out there and we have a long relationship with them um, but what we're interested in doing is helping them move their grassroots on and yep. if you look at what's happened here when we put in the age specific coaching in this country which came off basically my visits to Hulier and Anfield and so forth uh, and then the French system uh, and in 2006 7 we put that in place and 10 years later we're now the under 17 and under 20 world champions and under 19 European champions it takes about 10 years through the cycle get a kid at 8 take them to 18 so the Chinese have got a long way to go because that's even overlaying that on a mature culture mature football culture well I haven't got one at this point in time I just wondered as well whether we could just touch on um, you know there'll be a lot of people listening understanding that you know you, you're the boss man at Tranmere Rovers and that sort of stuff but depending on ages and depending on locations they may not know that you were a footballer they may not know that you worked for the FA I'm well, trying if, to say I'm a very old player no, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say that you know you, you've, you've had a great career out of the game and, and you're an interesting man to speak to yeah and I just I just wonder whether maybe you could give us a little bit of a, a part of history on on that side of things as well? Uh, it depends where you want to start. I mean, I, I didn't start playing football uh, in an organised sense until I was 14, so I started quite so late. late start, I, I played yeah. rugby. 
and, uh, I, and those who watch me play football said they could see that but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I you know I played in the park I played in the street like everybody else and uh, but by the time I was 16 I came to the club by the time I, I, I went to university I went to Manchester University just on the basis it was local and I could still start and continue playing for Tranmere and I became I got on the first team at the end of my second year sort of in my third my third year at university I played a, a full season in the league uh, whilst I was part time at, at, at the, when I came out I did a variety of things in the afternoons because I, I just felt players were not full time and I could do stuff in the afternoons uh, I'm a clinical psychologist and I used to work in a hospital uh, I then decided I wanted to be a football manager uh, and somebody suggested doing accountancy to me and I didn't even know they existed because I'm a working class lad and you know you know doctors dentists teachers in those days lawyers but you didn't know accountants why would you uh, so I discovered accountancy and um, I did that I had to go part time in fact the institute wouldn't let me do it initially and then the firm that wanted me to join them said look and they forced it through and I then went part time as a, a player again which was unusual because everybody else was full time but everybody thought because I'd done it when I was at university I could do it again well there was a lot more commitment to working all day mm. doing exams at night and the, and the pass rate in those days was about 25% so it was quite a difficult set of exams uh, and then playing football as well professionally. But I'd, I'd done various stuff when I was at university on my psychology degree, which was to... So I trained myself, I kept myself fit. By the time I qualified, it wasn't worth me going back into the game. I, I'd become a fourth and third division player. I was about 26, 27. So I stayed on playing as a part-time pro. and I was 12 seasons in the league, uh, over 400 league and cup games. And I spent 10 of those seasons as a part-time pro competing against full-timers. So... Roll it. When I when I finished, I retired. I turned down a, a two year contract at about age thirty four, and then went to um, uh, as a partner with one of the big firms of accountants. So I, I I got that, and I completely left football behind. Other than I played it at Sunday League and local level yeah. and so forth, right the way through. Uh, but I then went into this into accountancy, and, and for the first time, I put all my energies into one career really. And uh, that, that took off, and I, I bore people to death. But I, I, en I ended up writing a strategy for Coopers and Librand and, and becoming the European leader for PricewaterhouseCoopers in business turnaround, or basically in, in, in turnaround. And uh, then I was headhunted to the FA because the FA was bust, and uh, I was around about 50 at the time. Uh, uh, people knew me in the city for what I did, and I was an ex-pro footballer, so I went to the FA, uh, fixed the problems at, uh, in terms of Wembley, got Wembley built, uh, changed the disciplinary system and so forth and so on and uh, had the first England player strike <laughs> with, with, Rio, <laughs> with Rio Ferdinand um, but nobody's missed a drugs test since and uh, so it was a pretty varied life and um, and just went through, worked in the city uh, as, a, as an individual that just was known for turning companies around and fixing companies, fixing problems uh, and then retired in 2009-10, um, director of British Judo at the time of the Olympics, wrote the elite development plan for for, for post-Olympics uh, with Clive Woodward, although he didn't do much writing. And um, uh, also I, I, I do stuff for Surrey uh, as well. And came back to Tramway in 2014 which was uh, it, it, it almost went full circle you know so I brought mm. turnaround um, techniques I brought myself back knowing it as a player uh, and I would say that you know when I went into businesses I, I'd very often 
I didn't, you know, I didn't really know the industry. There was a couple of industries I worked in a few times, like motor and, and, and whatever, and engineering. Um, but, you know, I did things like British Steel Chorus, uh, right the way through the Royal Opera House. I did a lot of the politically difficult jobs that were around, the Dome, the Opera House, and stuff like that. Um, but when you go in as a turnaround guy, people say to you, what do you know? If they've been in the industry for 30 years, you know, and they say, what do you know about my business? Mm. Uh, you know, you're an accountant, and I said, what do you know about my business? And my business was, was crisis. My business was turnaround. So I was a situation expert rather than an industry expert. But when you come into football, it's probably the one industry I know more about than, <laughs> than any other industry I've been in. So um, I immediately made a difference and got us out of the league, <laughs> so, into the non-league. But uh, that, was, that was because there was a momentum in the place that you mm. just couldn't stop. And, um, you know, sadly we went out and, and that, that, that's been a painful existence, but now it's turned, so. Well, out of all these various roles and playing footy and being in business and being in accountancy, now at the top of a football club, what, what, what's given you the most fulfilment? What, what, what have you enjoyed most out of all those roles? <sighs> wow, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, I, what I would say is, you know, there aren't many highs in football, but when you get them, they're massively high. You know, so Saturday, um, I said so many times to Nicky uh, over the last two weeks, you can't buy this. You simply can't buy this. You know, you can go out, you can buy a yacht, you can buy a car, you can do whatever you want to do with your cash, but you can't buy this. And uh, after the um, after the uh, after the semi final, I was going into the car park, and, and, and um, I said, right, come on, let's go in in, in the fans." They call it marquee, I call it a tent. Let's go in the fans' tent. And it was fantastic. The atmosphere was great. Everybody was... I mean, the best thing you can get is somebody coming up to you and saying, I'm proud of me club again. Yeah. It's brilliant. unbelievable. You can't... That you can't buy. Yeah. Well, when I was in the tent, um, some guy turned to me at once and said over his shoulder, I've got strong legs. And I went, is he proposition me or something? <laughs> and he said, I've got strong legs. Do you want to get on my shoulders? And you, you know you have one fella on one shoulder and one fellow on the other shoulder and the fellow on your right shoulder saying no you can't do that you're former chief executive of the FA you're a senior partner Price Waterhouse Givers what would people think and the guy on your left shoulder says nah go on get on his shoulders <laughs> and so I got, I got on his shoulders and then of course with, with phones and everything else there's pictures of me crowd surfing which, which uh, well I got up in the morning it's one of those ones you get up in the morning you think that wasn't great and I sort of I kept quiet for ages and I thought well people are going to be and then gradually you realise that the fans actually quite liked it so yeah. you know so I got away with that and I, I promised myself I wouldn't I wouldn't crowd surf after Wembley so <laughs> but then you just can't buy it and you know the last the last week um it just seeing that the pleasure that the clubs brought to to the people of, of Wirral and the people of Merseyside and the people around the country who you know sent in um you know congratu- congratulatory uh, emails texts and so forth I I, I fell asleep two nights in a row trying to answer all the texts and I hadn't even got to the emails. I still haven't got to the emails uh, and, and I don't do other varieties of social media. So, um, you know, it, it, that was, it's just been tremendous. And that is, you say, what's the highs? I said to somebody the other day, he said, look, I've, I've stood um, at a, an international tournament uh, badged up as the chief exec of the FA, uh, the national anthem going. I'm a desperately patriotic person, and uh, despite being half Greek, and uh, you know I st- I've stood to that. The hairs on the back of your neck stand up, and you think I'm, I'm a little lad from Salisbury Road in Wavertree, and you're standing there, and you suddenly think, "Wow, well, how did this happen?" Uh, and so that's a fantastic moment. But 
nothing touches Saturday. Nothing. Brilliant. Um, and so here we are in May. Uh, last question then. Um, I mean, what has to happen between so, so now and, and August then for the league? Because, I mean, you, you, you said before off air that, you know, you're trying to sort of get people back down now and say, come on, crack on. I know you're all buzzing because we've won at Wembley, but we're back in the league and there's work to do. Yeah, there's a fine box now if you, if you mention Wembley. <laughs> um, but, the yeah, there's lots to do. We, we're, we, we're already sort of, um, we hopefully will make a sign-in today. Uh, there's lots to do in terms of the improvements that we want to make to uh, the campus, which is our training facility. Uh, there's there's plans for the close season in terms of things we've got ongoing, uh, and then we have to readjust uh, to looking at you know what we do in terms of the academy system and so forth. So there's lots of there's, there's, I, I think you know we're, we're we're probably busier in the close season. Now overlay on top of that. We've also got uh, the business elements that we've got, which are non-football elements. So the International Football Academy, we've had a series of meetings over the last month or so, and we just finalised them this morning. So we'll be pushing that out in the next six weeks, and that's massively important in terms of the budget for next year. Um, So uh, wherever you look, it's not just a football club now. Uh, We've got businesses to run. We've got things to do. And because you're also turning the thing around, it isn't just business as usual. You've got got an incremental amount of stuff to do. Um, And, you know, I just can't wait to get back in the league again. You know, it's just get starting your first game in in the football league. It's not massive for Liverpool fans, you know, but I, I just say don't take it for granted. Don't ever take it for granted. You know, Liverpool Football Club's on the way back, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, 26, 27 years, however long it is. Um, I'll, I'll say something now, which probably Liverpool fans are like, and Everton fans won't, and that is that, you know, up until last Saturday, we were the um, the most unsuccessful club in the country. It'd been 27 years since we'd won anything. You go and research who's the next... Everton, now is the most I've successful seen, I've seen this back <laughs> kicking around it's Everton isn't it <laughs> well, I can't say anything um, I mean it'll be a fantastic moment for you won't it when uh, you know there is league football back here at Brenton yeah. Park and so, so it feels right feels right to me as well uh, Mark thanks again for joining us on the Anfield app another fascinating chat uh, and hopefully we'll get over ourselves next season and, and watch some league football or something. yeah well, I'd like to see that can I just wish you all the best in Kiev because you know there's a lot of us rooting for you brilliant Thanks, Mark. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.